0: All right, hello and welcome. This is Ecoy Ivy with the MMA reaction. This is episode number 25. Uh, topics today are UC 230. It's going to be cover a bunch of shit from the main event to the middleweight division. Um, bunch of shit. Uh, Mayweather announced he's going to be fighting a Japanese kid by the name of Tenshin Nasukawa. That's coming up. Um, DC's got a retirement fight with Lesnar. Uh, UFC has released their quarter one event schedule. And we'll do a little bit of Askrin questions. I hope you guys enjoy what you listen to. Um, and I appreciate the fuck out of you guys. I really do. Have a good day. UFC 230 definitely left us with more questions than answers. Uh, But first and foremost, we'll talk about the main event. Obviously, Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis. I don't think there's anything special to really talk about with this fight. I don't think Daniel did anything that we weren't already expecting. And Lewis didn't do anything that we weren't expecting. Um, I kind of... I kind of figured that Cormier is just going to wrestle this guy. Um, I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a submission in the second round, but I figured that Daniel wasn't going to mess with Derek Lewis's power on the feet, and he's going to be a superior. He's going to be the superior wrestler to anybody, whether it's the light heavyweight or the heavyweight division, um, with the exception, of course, that one asterisk, John Jones. But in terms of uh, the fight, Daniel took him down. Joked him out second round. Nothing spectacular, nothing special, nothing unexpected. Um, after the fight, of course, Daniel calls out Brock Lesnar. Good. I, I guess, well, I mean, it will be a payday. So he's going after that money. Good for him. I mean, we talked about that last week. I don't think that's the fight that anybody wants to see. Um, if we're being honest, um, depending on how the John Jones... Gustafson fight turns out at 232. I think I think it's the 29th of December. Um, if, if John wins like everyone expects, um, people are going to want to see a third fight between Cormier and Jones at heavyweight. Um, it's not going to happen. I don't think that Daniel wants any parts of John Jones or even Stipe to a lesser extent. Although I think Stipe... Um, still loses to Daniel, I don't think Daniel wants to risk anything uh, on his retirement tour. And I've said this before, but it's even more apparent. I mean, he fights Derek Lewis, and even amidst the fact that it is an easier fight for him, we saw what happened. Nothing unexpected. Now he wants to block Brock Lesnar. Um, The only difference with the Brock Lesnar fight is that Lesnar can wrestle. Like, legit, legit wrestle. Um, I don't know if he can get past USADA, I don't know how that's going to work, I don't even know if it's really going to happen, but it's still a fight that Daniel's going to win, because if we know anything about Brock, doesn't like getting hit in the face, Daniel's got very good hands, and he packs a lot of power, I'd imagine that he could TKO Brock Lesnar inside of three rounds, if not right off the bat, so I guess we have that looking forward to it, Daniel says one more fight, it's probably going to be a Brock Lesnar fight, uh, where does he stand in terms of MMA greats? Probably the greatest of all time, right? Yep, yeah, with an asterisk, because we all know what happened with the Jones. That's the only man to beat him is Jones. Only guy, and then probably the only guy on this planet that can beat Daniel Cormier. That's it, just one guy in the world that can beat him, and he wants no parts of him, and who can blame him? So, going forward, um, I guess we'll see what happens with Cormier. Uh he seems to be living high on the hog right now, uh, really living the best life for him and uh, enjoying all them pastries and fried chicken and what have you. He's um, he's having a good time right now, and he deserves it. The man has fucking worked so hard his whole life um, and really uh, is a consummate professional and, and a really good guy, and I'm not going to fault him for any. Any uh, transgressions regarding who he's going to fight. He wants to make money. He's going to retire. Good for him. I got no issues with that. Um, I want to see him fight the best the best before he retires. But I understand why he doesn't want to do it. Uh, the co-main event was a fight, a fight between Ronaldo Jacore Souza and Chris Weidman. Um, for me, this was a tough fight to call. I did think that Souza was going to do enough to, get, to win. I didn't see this fight playing out this this way at all. Uh, this was easily my favorite fight of the entire card. Um, these guys really turned it into a a, a technical brawl, uh, a technical kickboxing match uh, with really heavy punches thrown at both guys. Um, both of these gentlemen showed the heart and determination to continue. Souza got pieced up the first round. Weidman's jab looked really good, man. Um, and I think he had Souza hurt a couple times. Really hurt. And uh, Jacare was able to to maintain, recover, and then uh, in that third round, just really poured it on. Hit him in the temple. And I think it wasn't so much... I mean, obviously, he getting hit in the temple is a, is a, is a button shot for a lot of fighters. But I think it was accumulation, because uh, Weidman had hit Got hit a few times prior to that, that I think we're kind of on the button, and uh, Jacare really showing that he's been working on his stand-up, man. And and I had said that I had said uh, on the passive-aggressive podcast with with Nick and Dalton that I thought that Jacare's hands are not bad. It, I mean, I, you're not gonna ever call him a, a leech striker, but his striking is is good. It's a very good. St- Striking game and it really complements what he does on the ground. Um, now we didn't see anything on the ground; these guys just stood and and, and banged the whole time. Um, but Souza's—he's already lost to Gastelum and uh, Whitaker. Um, Gastelum was a real questionable decision, but still, loss is loss. So it's hard to see what he what he go what he does going forward uh, from here. But gutsy performance from both guys. It, kills to see Weidman lose like this, man. Chris Weidman is two in his last six fights. Two wins in the last six. So he's two and six in the last six fights. Um, what does he do? And and the, the most concerning factor is his first loss, Luke Rockhold, TKO punches. Then he lost to Yola Romero, KO flying knee. Then he lost to Gigard Musasi TKO knees. He beat he beat kevin fair and square with the submission and then now he gets TKO'd again so in the last in all four of his losses they've all been tkos is this a question of chin i mean you have to ask right you have to you have to consider that as a possibility no doubt um is he, is he just real shopworn is he i mean and he's had a bit of a layoff between his last fight because he had some thumb issues um I guess the concern here is, is where does Weidman go from here? Who does he fight? I don't know, man. Does he retire? Is it time for that is is, is, is the the cumulative damage just becoming too much? I don't know um, but it's getting to the point where i hate to, I hate to see him lose and I'm not saying he should retire or anything like that, but man, I hate watching that guy that guy get knock out knocked out like that. I can deal with like a decision loss, no big deal, but man he every time he loses he gets he gets beat man bad he gets um uh, Takes a lot of damage to his head. Uh, one one point of contention, obviously, was after uh, Jacare hit him with that that right hand to the temple. He knew Chris was out, and you could see his body language. Chris falls down. He goes he goes stiff, then limp, and his eyes roll back, and then he kind of comes to. And Jacare is trying to do a walk, like a walk off home run on this guy. And uh, Dan Mergulata, the referee, wanted him to hit him a few more times. So Weeman also took a few. I don't know, maybe one or two hard shots after, and uh, you could see that uh, Jacare was pretty upset with that. <laughs> we're not in, we're not in the ring, we're not, or we're not in the octagon. We don't know exactly what the ref's seeing. Maybe thought, maybe thought Weidman was recovered. Who knows? Um, I don't think it was as, as egregious as other people said, but I get why Jacare thought it was a late stoppage, and I guess uh, under specific terms, it was a little bit late. Um, Next fight, oh man, one of the biggest surprises. Jared Cannonier beats up David Branch. Uh, TKO punches, it. hit him with a well, kind of like a, like a almost like a short right to the chin. And uh, watching watching the fight from from the uh, from the TV, it was kind of hard to see what exactly put him down, uh, because it was on Branch's back. But it was a short right, right to the chin. Uh, he goes down, gets finished. Jared looked like a whole different fighter, looked completely different at 185 pounds. I mean, because if you remember, he started at heavyweight, and he was pretty portly, chubby. Then he went down to light heavyweight. He still looked, his body looked the same at light heavy as it did at heavy, just a little bit less of it. But at 185 pounds, Jared Cannonier is shred city. He looks like he's taking his fighting very serious. He went down to Arizona to the lab. He trains with uh, Benson Henderson and, and all those dudes down there with John Crouch. Amazing stuff. I mean, really really impressive. His his fucking uh ground defense with David Branch, that was really good. I mean, this guy is, is clearly Jared Cannonier has clearly uh put the work in because uh even if David got him down, which he did a couple times, he was able to get right back up. I mean right back up. So uh good for him, man. I, I don't know where he goes from here. The the funny thing is is that Branch according to now I'm gonna give you some UFC rankings, okay? So take them for what they are, but rankings are all, you know, up to your own opinion. But the UFC had David Branch at number seven in terms of welterweight rankings. Jared Cannonier, as this was his debut at middleweight, he's obviously unranked. So for him to come in and just and take out Branch is is pretty special, man. That's substantial. Remember, uh, Cannonier wasn't even supposed to fight Branch. Branch and uh, Souza were supposed to fight. And Cannoneer accepted the fight against Branch once Rockhold got hurt. So he really seized his opportunity to show him and announce himself in the middleweight division. I don't remember a time in UFC history where the middleweight division is so stacked. Now if you remember when Anderson Silva was looming over the middleweight division as, as the king, the... The real uh, argument with Silva, in terms of being like the greatest of all time, was that he was he was the champion, the king of a pretty watered down middleweight division. There was not uh, a, a shark tank in middleweight. Middleweight was arguably one of the weaker divisions at the time of Silva's reign. Now, that's all conjecture. You can make your own opinion about whether that's a valid argument or not. But what I'm saying right now is. The fucking middleweight division is a goddamn shark tank right now. An absolute shark tank with a bunch of killers. Um, you obviously you have you have Robert Whitaker as the champion. The number one contender is Joel Romero, killer. Number two is Luke Rockhold. He's a killer. Not very durable, but a fucking killer when he's healthy. Number three was now these these are before two thirty, so I'm sure they'll adjust a little bit. Number three ranked, Chris Weidman. Number four. Kevin Gasol who's fighting for the title after the tough series with Whitaker number 5 Jocko Ray number I don't have number 6 on here (laughs) number 7 was Branch that'll change number 8 Paulo Costa and we're gonna get to to Israel Adesanya in a minute but he's ranked number 9 the fucking middleweight division is seriously dangerous right now um So let's get right into to Adesanya, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. He beat Derek Brunson like Derek Brunson was a white belt. He Derek offered no real offense, no real defense. He was a little bit more composed. I will I will give him credit for that. I think he was he tried to pick his shots, but uh, Israel's way too good. He's just too good. Um, He uh, uh, he. In my opinion, uh, Adesanya has absolutely announced himself as a top contender in the, in the middleweight division. And, and of all those killers that I've just listed off, Adesanya, who was ranked number nine, mind you, he's got to be top five. He has to be. He, because I think he beats. Okay, so you look at if he's number nine, number eight's Paulo Costa, he beats Paulo Costa. Costa's scary, strong, explosive. But Adasana picks him apart. Easy. Um, number seven, Branch. I think he beats Branch. Unless Branch can get him on the ground. That, and that is the only question mark with, with Israel is, is is this takedown defense good enough to stay up against a a legit grappler, wrestler, jujitsu expert? We don't really know yet, but all signs point to that he 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 can definitely he can definitely beat everybody in the world at, at middleweight um the one fight for for adesanya that i want to see before we even talk about title title fight is somebody who does have a good ground game or a or a or a uh, elite level wrestler grappler jiu-jitsu guy and the guy that comes to mind since he just won was Jacare. i want to see the last style bender against Jacare, and if he can dispatch Jacare like he's been dispatching everybody else then absolutely let let's put him on that fucking pedestal that he already puts himself on, mind you. And let's let's get him let's get him a, a title fight. The winner of Whitaker Gaslam, no problem. I got no issue with that, but I need to see that fight before we start talking about the the best middleweight in the world currently. But all signs point to Israel being um, legit, legit top one two three middleweight in the world for a while because he's still a pretty young guy um very excited to see we'll see what happens with that um other points to note for ufc 230 not a lot um yeah uh, the only one of note i guess would be uh, matt frivola and, and lando venata they, they went to a majority draw that was an absolute slugfest um, full disclosure, I did not actually get to see the actual fight. I just watched the highlights. Um, but from what I understand, it was very back and forth. And um, they both g- gave and take, um, gave and took uh, s- severe damage. And I'm sure they'll both be in the hospital for the next few days. So uh, overall, 230, really good card. Um, I don't know if it was worth the pay-per-view uh, cost, but it was definitely a good card with a lot of fights. And it really... Um, established some things in the middleweight division which which was was much needed so i'm really excited to see what's going forward with that um all right so then next topic daniel cormier i did touch on this a little bit uh already um but he basically had said that ufc 235 against brock lesnar would be my retirement fight he wants no parts of it he'll be 40 in march he said this with, with no secrets that he doesn't want to fight past 40 he wants one more fight um, he's gonna go get that paper, cash out. Uh, the the big looming question with DC is is he the goat? And the answer is yes. I think he is the greatest of all time in mixed martial, martial arts currently. He has to be. Uh, what he's done and what he's accomplished and how easily he's done it to a lot of elite level fighters cannot be cannot be ignored. Uh, Stipe is an elite level elite level fighter. Okay, you can say what you want about Derek Lewis. But Derek Lewis is dangerous as fuck. Maybe he's not elite level, but he's dangerous as fuck. And I will tell you this, if you watch that first round when Derek Lewis got up for the break, he was not breathing hard. Like normally he'd be gassed and fucking sweating gallons of water out. He was sitting on that he was sitting on that stool in his corner and he wasn't even open mouth. So that tells you that that despite what Derek Lewis tells everybody, he does take this seriously and he put a lot of fucking work in it. And I think part of that was also because he had back-to-back camps anytime you don't allow yourself to fall out of shape before you start the next camp you're you're probably gonna you're probably gonna be have a little bit of a leg up with the exception of, of the the risk of being overtrained so um despite that dc's beat everybody literally nobody touches dc nobody beats dc except for that one man that everyone's tired of hearing about Let's be real. Everyone is fucking tired of hearing about it. I know DC is, but DC has a good excuse, man, to not fight John Jones. He has. He has a great excuse. Um, John Jones has been in trouble, he's got USADA issues, he's got all kinds of fucking problems that he's created for himself. And that's DC's scapegoat to not have to fight him. He goes, Hey man, I've been here the whole time. I I didn't I didn't fail USADA test. I didn't I didn't get myself in trouble with the law, I didn't do this. So why should I why should I go down and try to fight Jones? And on the surface, you go, "Oh, that makes sense." But all that really is is a scapegoat to not have to risk losing. Daniel Cormier doesn't want to risk his legacy. But, in my opinion, in in in, in lieu of the fact that he is giving excuses to why he doesn't want to fight Jon Jones, it, it, for me, I just even if even if DC fought Jon Jones and lost. I would almost have more respect for that loss than any win over Brock Lesnar, Derek Lewis. Stipe. I want to, I want to see it heavyweight if he's really that much different, because Daniel Cormier has the unfortunate side effect of fighting in the same era as John Jones, and that's not really fair to him. It really isn't, but this is the reality, and I want to, I want to see that third fight, even though he's already lost twice. I want to see it at heavyweight. I want to see what happens. Um, but I'm sure that's not going to happen because DC is too smart and he wants to get paid, son. So, good for him. Okay, so this was just announced today, which is very strange. Is that Floyd Money Mayweather, uh, he's going to be fighting a guy named Tenshin Nasukawa. Uh, it's going to be a f- it's going to be on the Ryzen 14 New Year's Eve card. Uh, in J- now, Ryzen's a fight promotion in Japan. Um, every year in Japan, any fight promotion, like it used to be K1, then it was Pride, and it's been a few other ones dream their new year's eve card they always do a a card on new year's eve and it's always the biggest of the year so they start the year off with the biggest bang possible and there's always i mean they have a a history of freak shows in these these uh these organizations in japan so floyd mayweather is going to fight tension and no rule set is known as of yet but it is going to happen it's um it's very strange, very very interesting. Um, Tension is 20 years old, man. He's super young. I think Mayweather's in it, I and mean, he's for sure in his 40s. I don't know how close he is to 50, but he is definitely deep in his, in his 40s. So wh- what's the purpose of this? And we don't know if it's going to be MMA rules, MMA gloves, boxing, boxing with MMA gloves. I'm not sure. One thing is for sure, and Mayweather is very smart. And he's not going to do anything that's going to put him at risk. Anything. It's not going to happen. This fight is going to be absolutely catered to make Mayweather look like the world champion that he is. So my guess, my my estimation is, my conjecture, is that it's going to be a boxing match with maybe MMA gloves, absolutely no elbows, no kicks, no knees, and very little clinch work. The thing about tension is, he is a high-flying, spinning, kick-throwing motherfucker. And he's, he's explosive and, and very entertaining to watch. Um, his game, though, his offensive attack is primarily kicks. They are not going to allow kicks because, for one, Mayweather is a world-class, probably the best boxer of all time, especially if you, if you look at defensive boxing. Out of the defensive boxers, he's the best ever no questions about it but Mayweather has not spent a lifetime learning how to one even absorb a leg kick or a kick to the torso but just conditioning his body to to just take that kind of damage um, if they allowed kicks it would be a no contest tension would win in uh, within 30 seconds one hard kick to the legs or to the ribs or to the stomach or something it's over He's not conditioned or, or used or, or can even fathom what that's going to feel like. It's going to completely throw him off. Tenshin has a karate style. Right? He's a black belt in uh, Kairushin, uh, I think. Uh, the same thing GSP has it in. And then he also apparently has his own his own fighting system, shin karate. So he's, he's a kicker. And he kicks really good. He's a, he's, he's very skilled fighter. Um, if you watch his highlights, and I would, I would suggest suggest that you watch the fight with Horoguchi, Kyoji uh, Horoguchi. He fought him in Ryzen. It looked like a kickboxing match. Um, I will tell you this though, Horoguchi actually looked pretty good against him. Um, all the other guys, the opponents that uh, tensions fought, I mean, looks pretty easy. Um, But that could also be matchups and things of that nature. Remember, this is a Japanese promotion. Most of these fighters are not very well-known, so it's difficult to get a grasp on how much competition he's actually uh, seen or fought against. But the one guy he did fight that does have a recognizable name, at least in MMA, is Kyoji Horoguchi, and he went to a decision with him. Uh, He's KO'd or TKO'd everybody else. Um, He does have a few knockouts with his hands, but he doesn't throw punches like... If it's a boxing match, he throws punches like a karate guy or like an MMA guy, um, and that will be a factor. So, I guess the, the real question is: is why? What is? It, what is? What is Mayweather hoping to get from this? Is this just to make money because he's already got you know fucking five hundred million bucks in the bank? So, what's the motivation? Does Mayweather really want to delve into? Mixed martial arts. Is that something he really wants to do or is it just publicity or or what the fuck's going on? Nobody really knows, but he's gonna fight He's gonna make money and his promotion the, the money team is gonna make money So it looks like a co-promotion uh, At least the banner from the press conference had his logo on there So I'm assuming that he's got something to do with the promotion money as well Obviously, he's gonna bring lots of eyes lots of pay-per-view dollars that things have, actually I don't know if it's gonna be a pay-per-view or not but Nonetheless, it's very interesting. I'm sure we'll get way more details as it, as it develops, and uh, we can we can kind of discuss it at a later date. But it seems kind of strange to me. But one thing is for sure, this fight will be set up and catered to how Mayweather wants it, and how it's going to make him look the best. There's very low risk here. Mayweather at this at this stage in his life is not going to take anything high risk he's not going to risk anything he's got the dc mentality and he's had it for a while he's only going to take fights that are the lowest risk possible and that's it and that's it um god damn so next up is the ufc released their early first quarter 2019 so there is 11 events in the in, in about a about a 90 day span so about three months a little less than three months actually 11 events three pay-per-views now remember starting 2019 is going to be uh the espn deal so they're leaving fox they're going to espn it's gonna be on espn plus we've talked about that before about getting the subscription to espn and you get most most of the ufc fights at 499 that's a good fucking deal by the way so there's really very few excuses not to get it the thing that i have a little bit of contention with is there's going to be three pay-per-views within that within the first quarter uh, there's going to be UFC 233, 234 and 235. So that's going to be January 26th, February 9th and March 2nd. So that's you know presumably you know 260 dollars worth of pay-per-views and I don't I don't know I don't even know if they've announced who's fighting for 233, 234, 235. I know DC said he wants to fight on 235 that'd be March 2nd. That'd be right around his 40th birthday so um is it going to be worth it there's so many events there's 11 events you got ufc fight night uh that's in brooklyn you got a fight night in brazil you got a you got a ufc 234 will be in australia uh fight night on regular espn is going to be phoenix so they're probably gonna to have to get a good headliner for that um We got another fight night on the 23rd of February. Of course, March 2nd is 235. Then right away, March is a busy fucking month. So we are going to have have UFC events March 2nd, March 9th, March 16th, March 23rd, and March 30th. Now, listen, I'm as hardcore as it comes in terms of combat sports, primarily MMA. Although I do like Muay Thai and kickboxing and all that bullshit. That's a lot to keep up with. I don't even know... I'm not even sure that I have the cap- capability now to keep up with what it is. At the end of the day, it's just a lot of fucking MMA to watch. And currently, I have a hard time keeping up with the current schedule. And So they're all, if they continue this pace through all the four quarters of the year, um, they're going to have even more events this year than last year. And then again, that's the whole debate about Oversaturation and uh money and money and money and money if we've learned anything from when they sold the company wme is that they are trying to get their money back in this investment and they are putting on a lot of fucking events and i think they're sacrificing a little bit of authentic- authenticity and quality over consumption and over qu- like quantity um I guess we probably shouldn't complain about it, but it is. That's a lot of events, man. March is gonna be a busy ass month, and and frankly, there's just no way to keep up with it. At least, at least from from a hardcore perspective, that also has a regular life and a job and shit's gotta get done. It's hard to keep up a lot of stuff. So, uh, big year 2019 for the UFC. Uh, next topic, Ben Askren is just being Ben Askren. So I guess the biggest question is. Um, who does Ben Askren fight? Like, who's who's the guy for his UFC debut? I don't, There was some, some rumblings about Nick Diaz. I wish people would stop talking about Nick Diaz because he hasn't fought in many years and hasn't won a fight in even more years. Like, I understand that he, at one time, was one of the most feared welterweights in the world, but... He seems like a non-factor to me. Everyone, again, this just comes back to making money because Nick Diaz is going to bring eyeballs. It's going to be pay-per-view dollars. Yada, yada, yada. But for me, Askren's about competition. Then let's see what he does against um, any legit top-tier welterweight. I don't care who it is. I You know what? Even Let's, let's start him off light. Let's really give him an option and say, hey, Here's Matt Brown. Matt, Matt Brown is no fucking picnic. I think, I think Askren probably ragdolls him, holds him down. But let's see what he can do. Let's start at a good base. Something like that. Something in that in that realm. And then, and then work your way up. Work your way to uh, to somebody else. If you look at the welterweight, UFC welterweight rankings, you got uh, Tyron, obviously. But he's a training partner of Aspirin so he's not going to fight Woodley. That's not going to happen. You got... Covington, who's still listed as the interim champ. I don't think Colby offers Askren anything. Uh, A lot of talk has been about Darren Till. That's a good fight. That's an interesting fight. Um, And Till's a giant welterweight. He should probably be in middleweight, to be honest. Um, What can Askren do against Till? Well, Askren's probably going to expose him on the ground. Uh, Then you've got Rafael Dos Anjos, RDAs, as a small welterweight. I think I think that's interesting cuz Rafael does have really good jiu-jits, but if Ben Askren's proved anything it's that he's very difficult to do anything to once he's got you on the ground. And you have Steven Thompson. Steven Thompson, that's a good fucking fight. That's what I want to see. I want to see I want to see Askren versus Steven Thompson. Let's see it. Let's see what happens. I think he might have a fight schedule, but th- that's a great fight. You got somebody who can who can counter and and can can strike going backwards. So if Askren is charging in for a takedown, Um, if it's not really set up well, then he could get peppered. He could get get knocked out. That was a very interesting fight with Steven Thompson. I would like to see that. Um, Obviously, welterweight's always been stacked. You have Robbie Lawler, Usman, Maya, Magny. Any of those guys would be good fights for for Askren, in my opinion. I'd like to see him. Jorge Masvidal, that's another good fight. I'd like to see that, too. So, um, I'm sure they'll they'll be announcing pretty soon. Askren's a hot ticket right now. Everybody wants a piece of him, so... Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on with that, but ladies and gentlemen, that is going to conclude my topics today. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, little conversation we had. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or statements, I need you to let me know. You can get me at the MMA reaction at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on my Instagram page, which is at the underscore MMA underscore reaction. Um, all right, bitches have a good day. I appreciate you guys.